three. Hey guys, um, I'm sitting here with Jess and Jess, just look at her, she's so beautiful. Hey Jess! <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jess is so awesome. She's a certified eating psychology coach and she specializes in functional endocrinology and nutritional therapy and I'm so happy that she's here. I love all of her writing that I read. I just love everything that she's sharing with the world and she's doing really great work with people. Um, and so I'm looking forward to hearing her story and to hearing some of the nuggets of wisdom and just of pure goodness that she's going to share today. Yeah. That was a nice intro. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, welcome. 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 How are you doing? Thank you. Good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I am a podcast newbie, so this will be fun to see how it goes. I think we both are. So it's all, all good. That's good. Okay. Yeah, one of our first. Um, uh, Jess, I know, you know, I mean, so I was drawn to you because you have kind of a similar story to me, but I know that mm-hmm. our paths to recovery was, were a little bit different. And I mean, mm-hmm. for me as well, I didn't go through the um, mainstream route of therapy and treatment, um, but I did go through a 12-step program. But mm-hmm. tell me a bit about you and where you were before you had recovery and then how you found the solutions that you're sharing yeah. today. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I, I don't think I really even realized I had a full on eating disorder until years, I mean, years into my disordered eating. Right. And right. I think that's always how it starts. It usually starts with dieting or, you know, seeing dieting behaviors modeled for us as yeah. young kids, you know, I was a young girl. And, um, I was also, I didn't mention this to you, but I also grew up in the performance industry. So I was an actor oh. and I was a dancer as a child. And so I was exposed to a lot of, um, beauty and like looks based activities, I think even more so than a lot of other kids. And so at a very young age, I found myself restricting my food intake as young as 10 or 11. And then by the time I was, you know, in high school, I was a senior in high school, I had lost my period. I was at mm-hmm. way too low a weight for me. Um, I didn't, wasn't including any dietary fat, right? I was getting, you know, comments from comments from family members, especially when I went to college. And then, you know, the stress of college, it got a lot worse and to the point where um, everyone around me was expressing concern, but they didn't really know what to do about it. Yeah. And I just, and that's where I think we had discussed, you know, my recovery journey looked a lot different because I didn't allow anybody to help me in it. I didn't go to therapy. I didn't, I wasn't in an inpatient treatment program. I tried to do it by myself. Most of my friends that I was living with at the time had no idea I even had an eating disorder. Um, So it was a very shameful thing. And it was only another way that I could just keep things suppressed and keep things restricted. And it was just my problem and I was going to fix it. And that's why it took so long. And I didn't really even see progress in my relationship with food, even after I gained weight, even after I was quote unquote weight restored until I started opening up about it, which I think is why Holy Healed has been so healing for me. Even now that I would call myself recovered, it's still, you know, a recovery process. And I think that looking back on it, if I had something to change, I would have been a lot more transparent and I would have invited a lot more people into the process with me because I just feel like the isolating nature of my recovery process allowed it to go on for far too long and allowed it to be a lot more difficult than it needed to be. I did, I isolated as well um, in my recovery, right? So I, I just, I guess it's like, you don't want to speak to people about it who don't understand and who might give you a sense of judgment. That's what it is, right? For me. But like, why else did you isolate? Because I mean, people isolate 
even people who don't have eating disorder, they isolate mm. if they feel depression, they isolate if they're in an addiction, they isolate even totally. if they're just going through a hard time. And like, totally. yeah. And I think that just comes from a culture that we've built. That's a little bit inauthentically positive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if you yeah. want to share anything. No, I love that. that. That's actually a fantastic question. So, um, the main reason I isolated, you know, that, and it manifested in my eating disorder, but like you said, we isolate in all aspects of our, our life. And the biggest thing for me was I just did not want people to see me as anything less than perfect. And when you're in your mess and when you have messy things, the last thing you want is to bring it to the world when it's not solved or when it's not, you know, with a perfect bow on it. And so for me to admit in that moment, while I was struggling, while I didn't have answers, yeah, like this is shitty. I don't know what I'm doing. I need help was to admit that I'm not perfect, that I don't have it together, that I can't control everything. That was a big thing. I couldn't control it. And then you just kind of had to let it be. You had to let your vulnerability kind of take its place. And that for me was terrifying because I believed that if people saw the real me, that if people saw the mess that I was, that I, that they wouldn't love me. That was the lie that kept me from allowing people in. Do you, have you, I'm pretty sure a lot of us in one form or another tell ourselves that, you know, if they see me like this, if they know this about me, they won't love me, whoever they are. And it's just that lie that keeps you in your own shell, that keeps you from sharing and that keeps you from seeking help a lot of times. Many, many, many lies. And that's what it is, right? It's like, the, I don't know if it's the mind that manipulates or it's just conditioning. And it's crazy the things that we've conditioned ourselves to believe that are just lies. Absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like we grew up in a society where, for example, um, you start to you're become a teenager, you start to grow. And let's say you start breaking out. What's the first thing that happens? Oh, you need to start wearing makeup. You need to cover it up. You know, you have a, you have a, what quote unquote is called a flaw and you mm. need to cover it. And so I just think that we've created this society of cover-ups and yeah. hiding. And so the idea of just standing and who you are and whatever that may be is just completely baffling for so many of us, because if we're not covering up, we don't know what to do. If we're not trying to be something quote unquote better or, or different, we don't really know what to do. Um, and I just think that isolating, whether you're in recovery, you know, we all have methods of isolating, like lean into why you do that. Lean into the lies that cause you to isolate. That's the big thing that I do this with clients. And I just encourage everyone to do this. Like, what are the lies that are keeping you from allowing people in? What are the lies that are keeping you from speaking your truth? You know, what do you believe is going to happen? And I think when we can lean into that, we can start to dismantle them, but we have to know what they are first. Yeah. And that comes from like a realization of it's me doing it to myself. Like I had to stop blaming mm -hmm. external factors and look at how I was creating the reality that I was living in. Absolutely. Even in my mind and, and what am I rehearsing every day in my mind? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And like, what, what did you ultimately, like, how did you ultimately like come out of that? And like, what do you practice every day to like keep in a, in a good state? In a good like state of mind? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, one of the best things I did for myself was start going to therapy. Mm -hmm. I like, I love it. I can't believe I waited this long to do it. Um, just yeah. having, and it's not even about, oh, well, it's the actual therapy that was so helpful for me, but having a space regularly where you show up emotionally to process is mm -hmm. so healing, you know? And so if you can't have that with other people in your life, but you have, it's on your schedule, you know, every week or every two weeks, you go into a room just to show up emotionally and to work through your crap. 
I just think that's so healing. It shows you that it's worth it. It shows you, it forces you to be there and it, and it forces you to show up. And I just think that that's so healing. Um, another thing that was huge for me was getting into, and this isn't like a do this and, but something in my process that was, that was, huge for me was I'm engaged. And so this was, I entered into a, my first like really, really serious long-term committed relationship with my now fiance. And there's something about being in an intimate relationship where you can no longer run from your shit. Like mm. you have to show up for the other person or else that relationship won't be a life-giving, loving relationship. It'll, it'll end or it'll be isolating for both of you. Like it won't be all that it can be. And, and I think for so long, I didn't fight for myself. And I had someone else to fight for, and that was incredibly healing for me, you know, and it taught me to fight for myself. It taught me that I'm worth fighting for, and now I can do it for myself. But that for me was a really healing process. And I think a lot of people experience the same things when they enter into a committed relationship, like your stuff is brought to the surface, you know, you can't hide from your vulnerable spaces anymore. They see all the, you know, they see everything about you and it's terrifying, but it's also really, it can be when you lean into it really healing. So. Yeah, it's really interesting because I used to run away a lot in all of my relationships and just be yeah. like, oh, this is too hard. Bye. Yes, yes. Oh, I did that too. Oh my gosh. Like, I, I mean, the reason I hadn't had a committed relationship before him was because it, when it got too serious or I felt like I was getting yeah. too vulnerable, I was like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> I just would freak out and I would like run the other direction. So I get that. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I really, I really learned in, in the current relationship that I'm in um, to just like, like it's okay to be vulnerable and he would just stand his ground and just be like, okay, I'll give you the space to go through like whatever you're going through and I'll still be yeah. here at the end of the day, which is yeah. so solid. Cause I think a lot of partners, when they see that reaction in a woman or they see that reaction in a man, they will kind of do the same thing. They'll run away as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and it creates a cycle, you know, exactly. Like you have to set up the right environment for your relationship. And I think that's so funny. Cause I just, I just posted this on my Instagram, but a lot of people say you can't love someone else until you fully love yourself. Right. And I have a lot of mixed feelings about this because I don't, I think that there's truth in that. But I think that overall, you can absolutely experience what it is to be loved by someone, even though you aren't fully arrived in your journey of loving yourself. Right. And I think that if we set ourselves up for, you know, I can't, I can't be loved, you know, I can't experience love until I'm, you know, I'm fully loving myself. It's kind of that happiness destination paradox type of yes. thing. It's like, yes. oh, well, I'm not ready. You know, like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there. It's the same thing as when we're like, oh, well, I'm. I don't want to date until I'm this way. You know, it's that same type of idea that you can't be loved and you can't experience love exactly where you're at in your mess. And I think that a lot, right? Like a lot. We're all messes. Exactly. <laughs> and, and to be honest, like you don't get any less messy. Than no. anything. Like when your eyes are open, you get more messy. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's something that I, it's just kind of a myth I love to like debunk. Like, actually, yes. no, you can be loved and you can love exactly where you're at, no matter where that is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It resonates so, so much with that. The other thing I wanted to go into because we talked, uh, me and you, a lot about the relationship between the mind recovery and the body recovery. And I know you work, right. you work on this with your, right. with your patients. And yeah. so like, how important is it for our, like, like, where does our mind need to be for our body to heal vice versa? Like, how, what do you think about this? Oh I, my God. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so 
I genuinely, it's not even like a causal relationship. They are literally one and the same. You yeah. cannot heal one without the other. Um, yeah. So when it comes to, for example, eating disorders, um, which is my, I specialize in hormonal issues that women have often after restrictive dieting or having an eating disorder, yeah. um, you will see their mind is trying to recover and they're in these inpatient treatment programs. They're trying to get therapy for their obsessive thoughts and their body is a mess. They've lost their period. Their estrogen yeah. is in the tank. Their androgens are high. Their thyroid, usually a lot of women, it can trigger hypothyroidism. So you've got all these issues happening and everyone's just like, no, just stop thinking about food and eat. And that's mm. not necessarily like always the best thing. You know, if you don't have a multi-pronged approach and you're not talking to them about, okay, how are you going to fuel your body now to heal the hormones that were starved and that are broken because of the behaviors? Your gut is a mess, you know, especially if you were purging and, and binging. Yeah. And so it's just like, you can't heal one without the other, not to mention your thoughts directly influence your physiology mm -hmm. and your gut health directly influences your mental health. So yes. if you're not taking care of both, you aren't on, at least in my opinion, like you're not approaching healing or whoever's guiding you isn't approaching healing in a, in a proper way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Because so even for me, right, like I was losing my period. And then when, um, you know, in, uh, after I had recovered and after I was getting my period back, I was going through some st hardcore stress. And all of a sudden I was like losing a lot of weight and I was like, what the hell is going on? And I think it was just an extension of some of the damage I had done to my body. I didn't really notice the relationship. Like I was always an athlete. I was always, mm. eat I thought I was eating well, but I was eating, you know, lots of breads, lots of like pizza, stuff like that mm. for lunch, coffee in the morning to fuel me for energy because I was low energy. And I just didn't know better. I didn't know that there were other solutions out there. So I started nutritional cleansing and I'm sure you have other solutions that you work with your mm. uh, clients with. But I remember right. you were telling me like some examples. I don't know if you can draw on some examples as to like how, uh, how that body relationship works. I think yeah, we were talking so, about one was self-hatred. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So there's so much, so let, let's talk a little bit about the thoughts and let's also talk a little bit about, you know, properly fueling your body with nutrition yes. to help with your mind. So yes. as far as thoughts go, you're a lot of people, especially in Western medicine, we think about emotions as separate from biology. Yeah. Right. So emotions are these things that happen in our mind and we feel them, but then they kind of stay there. And mm -hmm. that's actually not true. So your emotions are all like physiological components and um, enactors in the body and they have effects. So if you think, oh, have you ever been nervous and you get butterflies in your stomach or your palms get sweaty, right? It all has to do with your nervous system. So you're either in a parasympathetic state or a sympathetic mm -hmm. state. And when yeah. you are feeling things like self-hatred, when you look in the mirror and you wake up and you look in the mirror and you think, I don't like that. Mm. I'm this, I'm to that, I'm to that. Your brain literally senses that as a threat. Like it literally thinks like there's someone that's attacking, there's, that's mm. attacking us. Little do we know that it's actually ourselves. And <laughs> no, really. And, and that's, so that's fucked up. Exactly. I know it is. And it's so heartbreaking when you really think about it, but that's how the brain is wired. And so it puts you in a sympathetic dominant state. And in a sympathetic dominant nervous state, your blood is shunted away from your vital organs into your muscles because the purpose of it is to get you to run away from whatever threat you have, which is just our mind in this instance. And so your digestion is not going to be working properly. You're not going to be facilitating oxygen and nutrients to your vital organs. You know, you're not going to be in a state of 
relaxation and detoxification that you need to be in to really be repairing your body. And think about how many times in a day we have those thoughts. Like really, I mean, think about how many times in a day that you feel insecure or you're comparing yourself to that girl that you see on the street or you're looking in the mirror and you're picking apart your face. Like if every time that happens, your body is sensing a threat, when, what time of the day are you actually able to digest your food, to relax, that your organs are getting the nutrients that they need? Like when is that happening? And so- you really have to understand that it's not emotions and body. Like they are directly and intricately connected into a cycle. And so if you aren't taking that like serious, not even just taking it seriously enough, but really addressing that that's can be literally a singular root cause of your health issues, then you may, you may not never even find healing. You know, you can do whatever diet you want. You can support your body with all the nutrients you need, but if you're sitting there and you're still engaging in a lot of self-hatred behaviors, your body is not able to heal. Totally, totally, totally. And I mean, even for me, like I find maybe because of past trauma, whatever it is, right? Um, just a lot of anger comes up for me, right? And right. for me, I used to resent my anger, shove it down, shove it down, shove it down, shove it totally, down. Totally. Don't, yeah. you know, but my anger is showing me some boundaries that I need to assert. And like, what are some other ways that we can just like identify how our, you know, what our minds are trying to tell us or how our bodies are trying to say, I need to heal. And like, what can we practice? Right. Like for me, for example, if I'm angry, usually I got to look within and be like, Hmm, what is my anger showing me? And like enter into relationship with my anger, talk to myself as though I'm a child. And if I've ever observe my thoughts if anyone has not observed their thoughts for the day i highly recommend that you yeah try to just see where your mind veers off during the day and just observe it as like a third party perspective right because we are not our mind we are not our thoughts and so Mm -hmm. if i can observe my thoughts and just see what's going on then that'll give me a lot of insight as to the areas where i need to explore so that i can heal Um, Yeah. What are some, what are some tools that you, like, do you go into that with your clients and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So on a, on a conceptual basis, one of my favorite things to do is to switch from judging our emotions and feeling shame over what we feel to being simply curious. Mm. So often I find that my clients will feel something But that's not even the worst part. They will be ashamed or they'll be angry at themselves that they feel this way. And that it's like adding fuel to fire, you know? So what purpose does that serve? And I said, instead of, so for example, instead of you're on this journey and you're trying to love your body and then you wake up one day and you just feel shitty. Like you just like look in the mirror and all of those old voices come back. And instead of saying, God, I want to be over this. Like, why am I not better? Like, why can't I just love my body? I'm so done with this, blah, 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 blah. Just sit there and say, hmm, I wonder why I'm feeling this way. What is it about today? Did I, you know, how did I sleep? Why am I feeling this way? And sometimes it's from, well, I was on social media a lot last night or sometimes, you know, you can kind of, when you're curious, you can identify triggers and you can identify the route which your thoughts take. And if you're able to do that, you're a lot more able to get to the root of them to pull them out in the first place. You're a lot more, you know, and so even if it's a day-to-day process of being curious, or even if it's in sessions with me and I start to ask you prompting questions like that lie that you keep telling yourself, where does that come from? And who said that? Like, let's go back to that memory when you were 16 years old and this girl told you that, like, let's get to the root of it, but you can't get there 
unless you are curious and you're, and you're taking yourself out of your own way, you know? So yeah. the biggest thing for me is to remove the shame or the secondary emotions that you feel. Yeah. Right. So when you feel something, stop there and get curious. Don't then pile on. I can't believe I feel this way. You know, why do I feel this way? Why am I thinking this? I want to be over this. You know, those I find are actually the biggest offenders for a lot of people. Um, And I think that can come from having certain expectations about what your recovery and healing should look like. And then when you're not meeting them, you get frustrated. Right. Oh, the expectation cycle. (laughs) Oh my God. Expectations I think are like the root of all evil. (laughs) I mean, like just unmet expectations, expectations for yourself, they just get so messy and we don't even know we have them, but you have to really think like, why are you so angry at yourself? Well, I I thought I would be over this, you know, like I want to be done. I thought I would be over this by now. And it's like, okay, let's remove that expectation because your healing process is your healing process. And that's it. Exactly. Exactly. One thing someone said to me, it was um, this guy, I was a, uh, when I first got my dog, she was incredibly, incredibly difficult. And I was just like, oh, why can't she just be like all those Labrador dogs who are just like so nice to people? (laughs) And he was like, well, you always get the dog you need, not the one you want. And I was like, Mm. oh, who are you? Like, what guru is this? But I think (laughs) it's just so true for life. For everybody. Yeah. Dogs are life. (laughs) I love dogs. <laughs> like, you want to heal yourself? Get a dog, and they will just fix all your problems. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I wish, though. But she had to teach me a few lessons before she fixed all my problems. Oh, so mm-hmm. funny. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I think this is all so so great. I mean, do you want to touch on anything else and just just dive into anything? Well, I know that you mentioned um, as far as the nutritional aspect for healing. Yes. So yes I think that's something I do want to touch on a little bit. So, yes. especially because we're talking about you know eating disorder recovery and you can't talk about that in my case without talking about hormones because your hormones are often yeah. going to be jacked up. So yeah. I have a lot of um, information on my site, which I think that if you, if any of your listeners are, are recovering or they're chronic dieters or they, they suspect they have a hormone imbalance, like check those out. But as far as my foundations, um, you have to, have to, have to hit four foundations of recovering from hormonal imbalance, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to eating disorders. So we've yes. got adrenals, liver, blood sugar and gut health. When it comes to adrenals, that's basically stress. So you're have, you're having to calm your stress levels down, you're having to disengage with any behaviors or any activities that are going to be overstressing your symptoms. And this can look like overexercising and undereating. This can yeah. look like being in toxic relationships. This can look like getting, you know, a lot more sleep. So that's more of a general, but that's really like stress is going to be yeah. your biggest thing. Blood sugar. A lot of people, when they think of blood sugar, is like, oh, I just won't eat a lot of sugary foods. But for women recovering from eating disorder or eating disorders or chronic dieting in general, it's also really, really important that you don't let yourself go hungry. Mm-hmm. So because mm-hmm. you're there's kind of a lot of science, but basically you are going to be in a process of having to remind your body that you are trustworthy. You have starved your body for a certain amount of time and it no longer trusts you. Your pituitary gland has now become hypersensitive to being starved. And so when you skip a meal by accident or you forget to bring a snack or, you know, you go to bed hungry and you're like, I'm just too tired. I won't eat. Your body is a lot more sensitive to that than somebody else. And it's just not going to help your healing. And it also might wake you up in the middle of the night. It might derail your healing efforts. It'll dip your blood sugar a lot lower than most people's because it's like a scorned lover. You know, your body's like, I don't trust you. You're going to starve us again. So you have to make sure you're eating regularly. 
and you have to make sure you're having a healthy protein, a healthy fat at every meal, preferably a balance of all macronutrients, but especially those to help make sure your blood sugar is stable. Um, the third one is liver. So if you are needing to detox like old hormones out of the body, especially women that have been on birth control, which a lot of women are put on when they have an eating disorder to yeah. regulate their period, but really it well, has nothing to do with it. She did that yeah. quote unquote for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, oh my gosh. Like I forget that. <laughs> Guys, I've literally been quote on quoting for so many things. Um, quote unquote, so, birth control for periods is just a yeah, band-aid. Yeah. It's, exactly. So um, you want to make sure that you are supporting your liver to be detoxing, um, especially your estrogen out of your system. Um, the fourth pillar is gut health. So if yeah. you're detoxing and you're not excreting it properly, it's going to be reabsorbed back into your bloodstream, causing things like estrogen dominance and high androgens. So gut health is really the foundation for health in general, but especially when we're talking about hormones. And some of the things that you can make sure to do is sleep a lot, mm-hmm. your body, lower your stress because stress wrecks gut health, yeah. and eat a lot of probiotic foods and a lot of whole yeah. foods from the earth. Awesome. Digestive enzymes. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. Those are really helpful. Yeah. Especially if you're recovering and, and your stomach's all messed up and a lot of women, like they can't eat what they need to eat. Digestive enzymes can be fantastic for that. Awesome. This is so amazing. You are so amazing. This is so incredibly helpful. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You're so nice. (laughs) (laughs) You (laughs) like sitting here babbling about things. Thank you. That's so sweet. No, yeah, this is great. Well, I just want to like, what what kind of like miracles have you experienced, or like, like, you know, what? Who are you now compared to what you were? Just give them like a little snippet of like maybe your journey and and where you were once oh, wow. were, and just to get you know for anyone who's suffering out there, like what kind of what kind of things would you tell them? Oh my God! Wow. Um, to be honest, I just. I never thought that good things could come of me being so vulnerable. I was terrified for so long of speaking my truth of, you know, owning my boundaries or, or letting people see the things that I was terrified of letting them see. And now, I mean, that's what's been responsible for me starting my own business and having the success that I've had. Like never would I have been able to do the things that I that I'm doing right now, if I wasn't able to like really get intimate with myself and say, okay, like, am I going to keep living the way that I always lived where I ran away from intimacy and I couldn't, I suppressed my emotions and I refused to feel, you know, I, I didn't, I don't think I mentioned this to you earlier, but you know, there was a period of my life, especially in college where I, my anxiety was just at an all time high. I was losing, I was getting four hours of sleep a night. I would wake up in the middle of the night, every single night. My mind was like my worst enemy and I just didn't know what to do. Mm. And I refused, like, I just, if I just remember thinking, if I let myself feel now, I think I'm just going to break down. Like, Mm. I just didn't know what was going to happen. And looking back on it, like fighting for your emotional well-being and fighting to feel and fighting to process and like have that, I'm, I might be speaking in conceptuals, but do you kind of get what I'm saying? Like of course. fighting for your emotional health to me is the best thing that you can do for yourself. And I even say this, like I work in the field of nutrition and I'm, I'm going to be the first one to tell you, like, I would rather you start processing your emotions and start journaling and start going to therapy than start... I don't know, focusing on your vegetable intake. I mean, mm. if you want to do both, cool. But to <laughs> me, like the most important priority is going to be to start 
to learn how to be like an emotionally healthy human being. And to me, what that looks like is being able to process emotions as they come, not suppressing them, not, you know, misdirecting them, but getting really in touch with your own emotional health and your own emotions in general. So that to me, I think is like, I mean, I'm young, but so obviously I have a lot to learn. I don't know. I don't know everything, <laughs> but I just like, I, my life is completely different than what it was a couple mm. years ago. So now you're just living, you're enjoying life. You're present in yeah. life as opposed yeah. to running away from it. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Like, it's still really shitty, you know, and this is something that I tell everyone, like, it's not like I all of a sudden have my, my, my emotions together. Mm-hmm. It's that I'm embracing the shitty as opposed to running away from it and fearing it. Yeah. Because life is messy and emotions happen and, and we don't have all the answers, but leaning into that is I think far more rewarding than running away from it. And I think, I think people underestimate like how, I think sometimes we run away from our emotions because they're scary, but also because we're afraid of our power as well. And I see this a lot with men too, mm-hmm. whenever they feel intensity, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I'll go to pot or like people go to pot to like numb. Mm-hmm. And I see that a lot, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. And that I think just comes from being afraid of your own intensity and the, the beauty of people's emotions and the mm-hmm. beauty of being vulnerable and sharing that. Uh, like you won't know until you've done it. And I think, totally. I think it takes, it's, it is one thing for us to just be babbling here and talking about it, but until you've put it into like action reaping the rewards really is just like yeah, so fruitful. Absolutely. It's just, yeah, it's really, absolutely. really powerful. Absolutely. And if, and if you're listeners, you know, I, I know we're talking a lot in conceptuals, but something I love that's like mm-hmm. hands-on for, I literally have all of my clients do it. I do it every single night is to start a journaling practice. Yeah. Just every day having a place to sit down and just write whatever you're thinking I kid you not is one of those things where you have, you have no idea like how much it's going to impact your life. You can sit down every night and be like, I have nothing to say. And then 30 minutes later, all of a sudden you're talking about that one time that your uncle called you fat and how it changed your life. Like I swear, (laughs) you know, like, like it just, it's like, those are the things that come out when we allow ourselves to sit and be still, which is something you don't practice enough. Yeah. And I love journaling because instead of meditating, which I love, but journaling had like there's an outlet in front of you to get them out so you're now sitting and you're still with your thoughts and you're thinking and now you can process on paper and have like a line of communication with yourself does that make sense a hundred percent like yeah one thing someone told me is just put the pen to the freaking paper like, yes just exactly <laughs> exactly no even really. if you think you have nothing to say just do it and i guarantee you something is going to come out yeah because yeah. we do suppress stuff and as soon as you have Absolutely. that outlet it'll just <laughs> exactly no really i mean it's completely changed my life yeah oh man yeah i don't know any any anything else i mean i think this is just i'm just so grateful that you took the time to come here and to share all this stuff i think this is oh my just gosh amazing. no thank you so much for having me julia this is wonderful i love getting to talk about these things because i think I spend so much time talking about people's poops and hormones that I don't get, like, I often don't get to share, you know, like my story and a lot of the, you know, mental work that goes into the work with myself and even my clients. So this is fantastic. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to, you know, where this is going to go for both of us, because if this was taught in schools, how, like how much better off would we have been? I, I fully like, I mean, we can not to get like really. (laughs) but just I look at the state our world is in and I just think so much like how 
much healing is necessary in so many people's lives and how like desperate we are to be taught like how to be emotionally healthy, you know, Mm -hmm. how to, how to handle emotions. I just think that we are not raising a generation where that's the case. And um, I know like I've talked to my fiance about this, about how we intend to raise our children, being able to be aware of themselves, being able to be aware of their own emotions and not, I don't know, not engaging in the world in such a fearful way. Like I think that we were raised to because we didn't know how to handle emotions. And our parents didn't know. And so we've just adopted this generational blah, whatever it was. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They they did the best they could. And I think it's really cool though, because there's starting to be a switch in like our generation. And I'm really excited to see the change that will start to enact in future generations. I'm so excited too. Yeah. You're going to be kicking butt the whole way there. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Julia. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. <laughs> uh, guys, I'm going to be posting this podcast on the website. And if you want to reach out to Jess as well, um, I'll be posting her contact info um, mm-hmm. in the description. So keep in touch. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.